inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this scarf grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by The Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Polly Construction, Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally-owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop. Flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, house plants, potting supplies, and lots more in Waitsfield. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PNR Lumber, Route 15 in Wolcott, a family milled lumber for all your many projects. Check them out on Facebook, PNR Lumber. Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They bring you the In the Garden podcast. Dandelion Acres in Bethel. DandelionAcres.com. Peter invites your comments and questions on gardening. 802-244-1777. The lines are open. And here he is, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon. Looks like they're going to have a parade in Waterbury today. A great day for a parade. That's it. I, I was sort of scratching my head until I saw the... The, uh, the, it's an early 4th of July parade. Not quite Independence Not Day. Not quite and Independence QI, Day. You have to have it all, you know, initialed out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, trust Waterbury, you know, to do it the right way. Let's get, let's get some, you know, well, let's, let's start I can the party the early and end it late. Exactly. I see the point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, what a week. Uh, some incredible weather, of course, as usual. Um, I think we're in for a hot spell, so I'm going to talk a little bit about watering um, the garden. Uh, it's uh, particularly from now until the end of August, it's real important to keep your keep your veggies uh, well watered. Um, I don't need to tell you that the plants are 90% or more water, so... Uh, if, uh, if you want uh, healthy plants, it's a good thing, uh, to make sure they're well watered. Uh, so, um, my, my own, uh, preference for watering is with a bucket and a cup. And I usually use a five gallon bucket and a, a plastic tub of some sort that holds maybe a cup or two of water. Um, maybe even a cork container, but, uh, I like it easy. And I'll, uh, um, uh, the thing that you want to focus on is actually watering, uh, the plant at the soil 
level. And uh, I go ahead and put a cup of water on each plant right at the stem where it's where it goes into the ground. Um, a lot of times I actually, when I plant, I leave a small depression so that the water soaks right straight down into the root zone. Um, that way, wh- what you're doing is you're giving the plant water uh, that it needs to draw up from from the soil. And that's... Uh, that's a, an important um, an important feature because um, a lot of your funguses and stuff actually are encouraged to grow when you're used like a sprinkler, and um, so it's good to try to focus the water on um, um, on the soil part of of uh, your plant. So that may be a little bit harder as you get little rows of, uh, say, 16 uh, radishes or, or carrots in a square. Um, but still, you know, you try to focus uh, planting, uh, you know, watering the plants right at the, at the root level, right at the soil level. So I don't... I myself don't recommend using a sprinkler because a lot of times a sprinkler makes the plants wet and doesn't necessarily uh, soak into the soil at the root zone where you really need it. Um, it's true you can uh, water for quite a while with a sprinkler and eventually it does go down. Um, but a lot of times with a sprinkler, you know, you're you're sprinkling both the beds and your pathways. So the pathways, what we really want, we don't want any water on the pathways because uh, that, of course, uh, well, as as the point is, is that encourages growth. So in the pathways, we really don't want to encourage growth of anything. We want to keep the pathways basically as uh, inhospitable to plants growing as possible. Um, obviously, that's not uh, uh uh, a perfect science, but it does help to keep things a little bit uh, drier on the pathways and less likely to grow uh, and sprout the weed seeds that that are always drifting into your pathways from whether it's dandelions or popple or or grass seed or you know any one of the the million different kinds of seeds that float through the air um, uh, and land in your pathways. But we want to keep that as inhospitable as possible. So that's why I like to focus just with a, a you know a cup and a and a bucket and go ahead and around and water each plant with a a cup or two of water. And from this point on, you want to be doing that about twice a week because the the rains the summer rains are not really that reliable for a good drenching amount of water a good solid inch of water um even if your rain gauge says you've had a a, a 1 inch of rain over the course of the week uh, it may be lying to you because it comes quickly in a downpour and stops and it dries out before it has a chance to really soak down in. So if you, if you really want a rain gauge, use your finger to push down into the soil about six inches and, and make sure that that water is, has penetrated down into the soil to the root zone. You want it to go a, a good six inches down. So, uh, watering is a good time to, to use your, um, uh, 
your sea kelp or your fish uh, emulsion uh, to uh, give a little extra boost to your plants. So if you do that twice a week, sir, they're going to be happy. Um, if you want to do a foliar spray um, of the sea kelp or the fish meal, um, that's really a fertilizer. We're not really um, doing that in order to water the plant. We're doing that as a fertilizer, and that's a good. It's a good thing for heavy feeders like garlic. Uh, every seven to ten days doing a foliar feed, but but that's kind of a that's a different thing than than actually watering. If you really would like to have an irrigation system, then I recommend using uh, you know one of the uh, uh, the leaker hose there, the ones that just leak out water a little bit, you know, with a, with a low pressure. And that way, again, it keeps it on the, um, on the ground near the plants and is not really getting your, your plant tops, the leaves and stuff wet. That, uh, that's probably the best way to, to do your irrigation. And, and it's not hard to set up. Um, it's not too terrible expensive, but, uh, and, and the, the good thing about it is you can set it up to, to, um, on a timer to water automatically. But, uh, that's, you know, for a gardener like myself, um, I'm down to 25 beds now and, and eventually I'll, I'll replace the 25 that I lost. But, um, for that size garden, um, you know, it's really easy to just go around and and water each plant uh, as you go around and and uh, work on the garden. And I always like to emphasize the fact that the the most important tool in the garden is the gardener. Uh, that is, you're the one that's going to look in on your plants and make sure that they look healthy. Um, that you're not seeing any early signs of problems like last week we had uh, the league called with um, uh, what looked like a, uh, the root maggots, sounded like root maggots. And, you know, an early detection of things like that will make a big difference. Um, things like, uh, well, fungus, different funguses, uh, the anthrax on your tomatoes or the um, even the late blight on your tomatoes, early detection really make a big difference. So the important tool in the garden, number one, is the gardener. <laughs> so um, my point is that as your garden, you know, as you're watering, you're going through the garden and checking out all your plants. Uh, again, early detection of things like the... Um, Oh, you know, your, your squash bugs, those things, those kind of things, uh, you know, you can get in there and mine them out, uh, early on, then you can save your plant. Um, also, as you're, as you're going around, you can steal some leaves from your lettuce plants, you can make sure your radishes are, if they're about ready to, to pop or time to harvest them. Um, and you can also say, okay, I have a couple open spots here, a couple of square feet, to, what, what am I out of? What would I like to plant? Uh, you know, you want to plant some arugula or some uh, lettuces. Uh, there's a, uh, a great uh, summer lettuce. Um, it's, um, it's from Hawaii, and it's called Anui Nui. Ano Nui Nui. <laughs> I'll spell that for you. Uh, A-N-U-E-N-U-E. 
so that's a that's a great uh, 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 summer uh, you know heat tolerant uh, developed in Hawaii. So if you if you want a good lettuce for the heat, uh, which you'd write about now would be the time to plant it. Then um, that might be one you'd want to look at. So uh, let's see. I think there's a few other things about watering, but we have a call from Kevin in – where is that? From? Randolph oh, Center. Oh, Randolph, I see. Yeah, yeah, okay. Hello. Kevin, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to tell you, both of you how much I love the noon and 1230 shows. I listen to the news and the birds, <laughs> take notes on the birds, and then I get to hear you with the gardens. really appreciate your show a lot. I just wanted to underscore what you said about watering. I'm a meteorologist, and yeah. I've tracked weather in Maine and Vermont for uh-huh. 30 years now. Uh-huh. Um, and so true. I just wanted to share that I have friends who garden in Cabot Waterbury. Waterbury, they say they've had sufficient moisture. Cabot, they had to take seeds out who rotted. Yeah. There's some of it. Whereas we're only two inches of rain for the month of June and extremely dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the other thing I was going to say was sporadic rain. When you said that, how true is that in the summer? We, <laughs> you know, some places can get three inches and some places can get nothing. Yeah. And this, the sprinkler comments too. People who sprinkle, I don't know if they realize that the sun is out. That maybe up to sixty percent of that water they're throwing in the air is evaporating mm-hmm. before it hits the ground. So if the sprinkling is your only option early in the morning or in the evening is better to get moisture there because yep. you're battling yep. summer sun. Um, yeah, so that I was just going to share that. I think in Vermont right now, just so your listeners and you know, I think you already realize this, some places are very, very dry. Yeah. And they might not think that by looking at their rain gauge, exactly like you it, said. But right. Soil is, right. Yeah. You can get a downpour a quarter inch, half inch at a time, but it's gone so quickly that it never really penetrates into the soil. So, yeah. And, you know, uh, that's sort of one of the reasons I emphasize actually taking a cup of water and putting it right where the stem is goes into the right into the soil to, to have it go right into that root zone. Yeah. So. Well, thank you very much. I didn't really have a, a question right now. We're battling too many critters, chipmunks, <laughs> groundhogs, uh, whatever, putting up fences, trying to get rid of critters. That's the, so that's the, uh, that's for the Garden Fortress show. <laughs> uh, I know. We've had our peas mowed down two years oh, in a row. And now oh, we're really oh. counterattacking. You I'm so sorry. I two, three inches up, and then you just see the get up one morning, and you just see the stem. <laughs> oh, uh, so is that groundhog, or is that chipmunk? Yeah, which... like my, no, my son-in-law saw the groundhog. Yeah. It's pretty big, so yeah. we're trying to, yeah. we've been trying to trap it for a while to no avail. It's yeah, I, I have heard some people have luck with the, with the groundhog. Matter of fact, I was just talking to Gwen this last week, and she said, oh, yeah, we were able to get it in the, in the have a heart trap. And I, cause I was complaining, I used a melon, I used everything, and it yeah. still wouldn't go in. Oh, we got it. I said, well, Gwen, what did you do with it when, when you had it in the cage? Cause you're not actually allowed to, right. you know, legally take it someplace and drop it off. And she said, well, we had to drown it. And I said, well, just shoot it. You know, it's just yeah. so much easier. <laughs> right. I totally agree. And if we can get this in a trap, I hate to say it uh, publicly, but that's probably what will happen. Well, that's what I mean. Really, you have no other recourse. Uh, right. You know, this is the Garden Fortress you have to protect. Um, and I guarantee you that you're not going to be hurting the groundhog population. Uh, no. they, they, there's plenty of them out there. And as they spread out, and it's a similar thing with chipmunks. Uh, chipmunks run in about a 
um, you know, about 50 at max. You know, that's that's sort of their limit of their little, uh, uh, you know, community. And so what what you have to do is find a way to just thin that out. You know, otherwise, forget trying to get strawberries without, uh, you know, without a, an ironclad, um, you know, barrier of some sort. So, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, well, to ask Mr. McGregor, even a stone wall doesn't work for. <laughs> <over. laughs> right. Well, I thank you both uh, for a marvelous show every week. Oh, well, it's very Kevin, enjoyable and educational. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's something that I just enjoy thoroughly, and I'm really glad to hear you enjoy it too. Yeah. All right. Have have a good weekend. Dude. All right. Over you too. Yeah. Yeah, I should say happy fourth, right? Yeah. Well, I have my daughter's wedding coming up on the second of July. And oh man. We're up in Westfield, Vermont, praying for good weather. And everything you do every day gets more on the plate than you think. So literally, um, there'll be fireworks next week. That's for sure. That's, yeah. That's definitely true. All right, thank you uh, both again. Sure thing, Kevin. Uh, we have Gene. Uh, we ready for a break, or you want to take Gene for oh, more? Oh, let's so. take Gene. Okay, first things Gene. first. You're on. Thank you for taking my call. Yes. Really appreciate your show. Okay. Uh, my question is on garlic scapes. Okay. I planted my garlic last fall, yep. covered it um, with, you know, a mulch, and this spring I took the mulch off, and... Everything seemed to look well. Um, now the tips of the leaves are turning brown, mm-hmm. and I have had no scapes at all. I'm just wondering why hmm. um, no scapes. Hmm. Um, okay. Do you know what variety of garlic you you planted? No, I do not. This is probably a fifth. At least a fifth generation uh, garlic. That uh-huh. I bought some bulbs out in Maine a few years oh, back. Okay, all right. So you've grown just, the same variety before, and you had scapes on it. Yes. Okay. Uh, the only reason I ask is that a soft neck doesn't have a scape. You know, it doesn't have that kind of oh. uh, stem. So anyway, we eliminated that. So there should be scapes on it. It might be just a little early. Um, I don't have scapes on mine yet either, although uh, I expect them more towards August than I do, you know, the end of July and, and beginning of August. Oh, I see. Maybe, right. maybe you had them earlier one year, and they do vary a lot. They'll They'll come at different times for sure. Um, so at this point, it's a little early, and I might just uh, wait it out, be patient. But the thing you have to uh, – I'm going to go back to the brown tips you were talking about. Brown tips at this time of year, now in August, and, you know, before harvest, that's that's very normal, and, and you look right, for that. Right. But now really what you're seeing is that the – the root doesn't have enough nutrients, so it's starting to pull nutrients down out of the leaf. And uh-huh. and so what you want to do, the quickest way to get the nutrients into it is to do a, a foliar spray of uh, um, of a fish emulsion. And the fish okay. emulsion is a high nitrogen, and you can both uh, spray the, the leaves. It will absorb the nutrients from the leaves. And uh, also, you can drench the soil as well. 
Um, or you can, you can do one or the other or both, you know, depending on what's okay. the most convenient for you. In that case, uh, it's about an ounce per gallon. So it's a pretty dilute, but it's also a high nitrogen and very, uh, very effective. The most effective, of course, is the foliar spray quickly. So uh, at this point, since you're seeing the signs of it, I might do both the foliar and a, and a soil drench with the uh, fish fertilizer. Um, and, and that'll, that should get you back, uh, you know, and from that you might see a, a, a growth spurt that, that, uh, encourages the, the, you know, the seed shaft, the, the scape right. to come up. But that, that's my initial, you know, I assuming that you don't see any other, uh, damage like from the leak moth or anything like that. No. If you look down. No. And, yeah. Okay. Good. Good. And, uh, well. I think that should take care of it if you give that a try. Good. Thank you for your information. Uh, is it harmful to uh, use garlic that you've raised <laughs> in your garden just to keep on using it year after year? Or well, you know, it's a, it's an interesting debate. Um, the, the things that you have to watch out for are, um, you know, things like white rot or the um, – uh, those, the little critters, you know, the nematodes. Um, and so some people really encourage using the same garlic over and over just simply because it's nematode free. And, right. uh, and that's, that's, uh, so it, but if you're buying, don't buy from a grocery store and, you know, just be careful when you're buying from, uh, uh, from a farmer because the, the nematodes, once you introduce, is very hard to, um, is very hard to get rid of, practically impossible to get rid of. So, uh, I would say if you like the garlic you have and it's growing well, absolutely go ahead and replant it. Um, I have several, I had several varieties that I planted. Uh, my favorite, of course, was the, um, was the garlic, uh, the German white, which was basically four or five big bulbs. I mean, they were humongous bulbs, but a nice rich garlic flavor. So, you know, when I was adding garlic to say, you know, for my, uh, pesto or for the kimchi or, uh, when we were doing it for the, the dilly beans, all those, it was a lot less peeling, you know, <laughs> you had sure. four bulbs yeah. uh, and a nice, and a nice big head and, um, I like those the best, and I, I replanted those every year. I did uh, a whole four by four bed, which was sixty four cloves, and I usually tried to do about four of those beds. Um, I, I use the the uh, German white, and I use the uh, the music they call it. That that's got a nice little uh, red sort of. Uh, uh, shell, you know, skin on it, and that's really pretty. Yeah. But um, the, my all-time favorite was that one that was the uh, the the German white, and I, I think it goes by a few different names. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me know how it goes. I'd I'd really like to see you get those scapes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll try. All right, Gene. Yeah. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, you want to take a break? Yeah, okay, you do. 
Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. Our number is 802-244-1777. And once again, here's Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Um, do we have Gene now on the phone? No, no, he was just on. Oh, that was Gene on the phone. Of course, I got that written down. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I just looked up and saw the I was a little thing. out of sync myself today. Before I got here, i got to tell you, I, I was up real early and taking care of all the critters and everything. Yeah. And... Uh, and I came to the radio station and I meditated for a few minutes. Uh, I fell dead asleep, uh-huh. got a wild dream, almost uh, a nightmare that I was at a radio station, working at a radio station. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Oh, Lord. And then suddenly I woke up uh-huh. and there I was at a radio station having no idea what the heck I was supposed to do. At any rate, it's funny. Wow. Ever, ever taken that? So are you the... saying this is your dream job? No way. <laughs> I get the more ways than what. You never have a dream in the morning, you know? After, yeah. So you yeah. come to coffee to fall asleep. Anyway. So well, that's sort of like that one where you arrive at school and find you don't have any clothes on. You that know, was about it's like the same terrifying. Thing. Yeah. I, there was an old AP machine where they used to crank out all oh. the stories. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You remember the click, 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 click yeah, sound yeah, yeah. that you used to hear behind? And uh, it was all, it was just like the old days. It was all jammed up and there was nothing printed and I had no news. The news was 30 seconds away. You know? It was really what it was exactly like that. So, going to so you run and buy, you run and grab the newspaper. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> start reading the uh, what ad. <laughs> well, I was thinking you might start with the front page. At any rate, so hopefully we're back in sync. And anybody with any gardening questions, or comments, but uh, no, for me it's mostly tomato and basil out there. So oh yeah, a few other things and uh, oh boy. Men and basil. Those, right? What those. more could you ask for? Well, that's pretty much because uh, bunny rabbits. Not only do I not, uh, you know, chase them away or anything. I've noticed as I sit out there, they've gotten tamer. They realize I'm no threat, <laughs> so they come right up to me now. You know, <laughs> they say, "They say, how are you today, well, Mr. Nashman? Yeah, I, I'm going to draw the <laughs> What's line. What's for dinner? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go out and, and you know, and, and, and buy those vegetable bags that they sell in the supermarket and yeah. eat them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Hopefully, no. just stay away from my tomatoes and basil. Yeah, yeah that's it. Oh, uh, well, that's, that's, uh, what, uh, what is it? What's it say? There ain't nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes, tomatoes up in the morning and out in the garden. <laughs> what was it? Was it Buddy Holly? Ain't nothing in the world like a big eyed girl to make you feel so funny, make you spend. Oh, that was the big bopper. That was the big, the big bopper, bopper that's right. <laughs> well, it's not the big bopper, but it's somebody with a gardening comment or question. Let's see. Uh, first name in town, please. Hi, Joel. This is Forbes. How Hi, are you? Sally. How are hey, you? Hey, Forbes. Hi. Um, got a question. What's yeah. the uh, best way to feed a plant or a tree? Where, where are the feeder roots that would be the only?
only way maybe fertilizer could get to the plant. Well, uh, two different things, right? The, the, the tree, generally speaking, people talk about using the drip line. So, you know, where, where the tree, where you want to, um, feed a tree is, uh, sort of at the edge of where the, the branches come. And my dad actually used to drill a hole, you know, a series of holes around the drip line. And then, of course, he was dribbling in 10, 10, 10 or some sort of chemical fertilizer. But you could use, do the same thing with uh, the, you know, northern organic fertilizers and just uh, fill the holes all the way around. That's that's the, the best way to do a tree. Uh, the plant, you know, uh, I just simply put a tablespoon of... Uh, the ProGrow, uh, per square foot, about a cup of my four by four bed. Um, you know, uh, I start first thing in the spring, you know, with, uh, with a general, uh, fertilizer like that. And then I'll do a combination of the foliar fertilizers and the, and, uh, every few weeks, um, they say, uh, seven to ten days. But I'll usually do it every other weekend as I'll sprinkle a little bit more of the, the fertilizer on the soil because that's that's very slow acting you know it's not a fast acting fertilizer so but what else were you what else were you thinking about so you you split your applications yeah 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 i don't uh, i mean that's what i do for a garden because you have that opportunity whereas uh, um you know uh, I, you know, like, like a cornfield, you're really only going to get one shot at it because you can't get back in there and do more, uh, do more. But in a garden, you know, it's easy to get in there and add a little bit. Uh, like garlic, I like to put a little blood meal in there right in May before the last frost and give them an extra shot of, uh, of, uh, high nitrogen, uh, uh right along the, in between the rows of the, of the garlics, and then from there, about every two weeks, I do the give those a, a regular, you know, uh, fish fertilizer foliar spray, you know, drenching the soil too. But um, what else were you thinking about? What what did you? No, I mean it um, <clears throat> up up close to the tree. Uh, let's uh-huh. say a tree, uh-huh. apple, apple. Yeah. It's kind of just a conduit, so there's no real feeder roots there. It's no. I've dug them up, and yeah. I found most of the area that the, the tree gets its nourishment from yeah. is, as you say, the drip line, which would be the outer The outer, party. right, right. You know, obviously in younger trees and in, you know, with the, uh, you know, your your smaller trees, it's it's not very far out, <laughs> you know. No. But with how much, a, uh, how much does uh, grass, let's say a, a cup of grass around a, a, or anything, how much does that absorb in the fertilizer that you apply? In other words, uh, rob from the plant. <laughs> Hard to tell, really. <laughs> you know for sure it absorbs as much as it possibly can. <laughs> but yeah. what I, what I I prefer with the fruit trees is a mulch, you know, out to the drip line. And uh if you want to even put in like a, you know, a bee balm or a 
um, you know, a comfrey or something like that that's deep-rooted, that's not really going to do anything but help the tree, I think that's fine. But grass, I find that grass is sort of a carrier for all kinds of little critters and and diseases, so it's a little better to go ahead and mulch. But that's my opinion. You, everyone has one, and and but I, I think that's the best way to do it is to mulch to the trip line and and then let your grass grow in between the the rows or in between the trees as they're spaced apart. What what I've done is is I have some uh, the the small trees. You know, I prune them down so they're they're small, and I plant them right in a bed in in my garden. And in that way, too, I can trellis them right there. So they're sort of like a spalier. Uh, I haven't tried the columnar ones there, but I think that I will uh, as I'm replanting uh, that the beds that I lost. Uh, and those are just like a, a sapling. I mean, they're just a single, and they produce oh, about um, 10 or 12 apples per per tree, you know, if you can call them trees. But... Uh, so I like, you know, in, in because my focus is on a garden and getting enough for, you know, for two people to to try to, you know, feed myself, uh, feed ourselves. Um, and it's a different it's a different point of view than, you know, an orchardist. An orchardist has a as a whole different um, uh, set of standards they have to keep up. But anyway, it's a lot of grass to do. Um, but that reminds me is that a lot of times people forget that their rhubarb and their asparagus and even their blueberries uh, need to be fertilized as well. M- mostly we'll fertilize them once in a year, and then once the berries are picked, uh, we basically forget about them. We don't water them. We don't fertilize them. We don't really do anything. So over time, you know, those those things will sort of they'll drift away. You know, they'll start to get less hardy, and you might not get as good a crop and um, and your asparagus will start to to get a little smaller rather than the size of your thumb than be the size of your finger. So you want to, as you're doing your watering and your fertilizing, include those perennials, even though they're maybe not right. You're not getting anything out of them right at the moment. You know, what you're doing is you're preparing them to feed the root system so that you'll have a good crop next spring, you know. I, um, I've used uh, seaweed yep. near the uh, near the terminal end mm-hmm. of uh, the mm-hmm. growth after after it picked, and it seemed to help a lot towards mm-hmm. uh, bud blast and also winterizing the, the mm-hmm. plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they absorb just enough in uh, with the seaweed. Uh, I'm sure it's the salts that, that uh, actually preserve some of the delicate tissue, so it doesn't you know wind burn and. Yep. and uh, Destroy them in the winter. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, thank you. Yeah, sure. All right. Carry on. Yeah, you too. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Uh, Okay. So, you know, I should probably put my glasses on. (laughs) Well, I can. uh, Let's see. I got it now. Who do we got? No, no. Oh, is that Colleen? I can't read it. Uh, wait a second. That's my shopping list. No, that's Glenn in Brookfield. Oh, okay. Glenn. Right. <laughs> well, welcome, Glenn. <laughs> you in... seem to call up here. And, uh, Peter, I wear my glasses all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be without them. 
<laughs> well, you know, as I'm reading the stuff on the computer, I take my glasses off and then I, <laughs> I'm writing things down. <laughs> and then uh, Joel puts us aside. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Glenn? What's going on in Brookfield? Well, while well, you guys are talking about woodchucks, uh, yeah. about 12 years ago, my wife and I put in a garden here. We hadn't done it for a while. Yep. And we went away for a week, came back, and it was gone. <laughs> and it was woodchucks. <laughs> I mean, ate everything. So what I did was I got a wireless fencer. Okay. And I put it out on a post, and I run one wire three inches off the ground, and one six inches off the ground, and I've never had anything get in my garden set. Oh, super. Now, ex- wireless sensor you're, you're talking about? What, yeah, how does that wireless work? Wireless sensor. It's uh-huh. got a battery in it. Uh-huh. You have to buy a battery every two or three years or yeah. so. Sure. Charge it off the sun, and you don't have to run cords or anything, and works awesome. Huh. Uh, so you uh, now, so you have uh, you have a strand that goes all the way around two strands, one at three, one at six inch, and that goes yeah. all the way to the perimeter of your garden and back to yes, the battery. Okay, yeah. and and uh, you say it charges on like a what like a little solar collector kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's got a battery in it. And it's uh-huh. got like a solar screen on it. Yeah, and just you charge it up for twenty four hours when you. Uh-huh. First, put it out and yeah. then pitch it up. Keeps my golden retriever out of there. One <laughs> shot, everything out. <laughs> well, see, I, I like that. That's the uh, we were just talking about the garden fortress, and that sounds like a very easy one to set up. I like oh, it's that. Great. Yeah, uh, is I, there a brand name? Or where'd you find it? No, I just I just got it at a hardware store. I don't hardware. know what the brand is. Oh, yeah, okay. You can find them anywhere. Okay, great. I'm going to go take a look. Cause, uh, yeah, they work great. And this program's awesome, I tell you. <laughs> I've learned so much from you guys, plus callers. Yeah. I mean, there's so much gardening. You just, you, you never know at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that the the collective intelligence, the collective you know, knowledge is much better than you know because. Oh yeah, mm, it's wonderful. Yeah. The yeah. other thing was, uh, we, my wife and I like hot peppers. Oh yeah. We grow we grow garden salsa peppers. Oh boy. And I don't know if you've ever grown them, but you know, one plant will do about thirty peppers a year. Oh boy. They grow like crazy, and we we get them at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. It's the only place I've mm. ever found them. Mm-hmm, yeah, but not quite as hot as jalapeno, but mm. very good. And we you know we slice them up and pickle them and can them, and they're great. That sounds great. And uh, so you make you make your salsa out of them? Is that what you were saying? Well, we just we just cut them up, you know, in oh. circles. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah. Salting up and then then can them and mm-hmm. some. Vinegar and garlic, yep. and they're tremendous. Okay, so you've got a can of chilies that you can add to your yeah refried yeah, beans or or everything. Any, yeah to everything. Sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah, I, I hadn't really. I I usually well I usually do cayenne peppers, the hot peppers, but we dry yeah. them out, put them in a jar, and about every two or three years we'll grow another batch because, like you say, it's. 
there's plenty of <laughs> plenty of heat in those to to last a long time. You only need one pepper. So for well, I've never tried drying them. How do you do that? Oh, I, I just use a regular old dryer. I have uh, I had uh, an Excalibur driver dryer, which I liked quite a bit. It was nine trays. You could set the temperature and a timer. And uh, the Excalibur one, uh, at the time I bought that one was a couple, I think it was 140 bucks, 240 bucks, excuse me, because it had the timer and the and the uh, the temperature control, and nine trays, and and I I I really that was my favorite one. Uh, you know anything that dries though, you can get those harvest ones. Wow, I can try that. Yeah, Gee, yeah. I learned something today. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, well, good. Thank, thank you for thanks for the both call. the tips. I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for taking my call. I appreciate sure. this show. I love it. Anytime, you guys have a good you're, weekend. you're more than welcome. And I'm going to go look up uh, that wireless sensor you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. All right. Bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you later. Well, that was uh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to try that one because we well, we do have chuck, woodchucks that come back every few years, so I expect a, I'll have one soon. <laughs> well, my woodchucks have uh, caused minimal damage compared to the raccoons. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, as people know, I've I've kind of moved away from gardening to just enjoying the wildlife in the backyard. And they're they're. Well, Mrs. Let me put it mildly. Mrs. Raccoon came with her just the cutest little brood of uh, youngsters, and I'm actually feeding her and them at this oh, point. Joe. <laughs> Thank God my neighbor doesn't have a garden. Yeah, really, would, he would uh, want to. He, he would, would want to be over there. They would draw and quarter me for yeah, sure. Probably. But, but well, I, so far they haven't touched my tomato plants. Oh, well, see there, they just don't like tomatoes, and that's a good thing. Well, um, if any raccoon is listening, my tomato. They just taste awful. <laughs> Actually, they don't. They're those heirloom ones that my brother oh, yeah. sent, sent me. You know, yeah. So that, had they set some tomatoes already? Some are coming, yeah. Yeah, right? that's yeah, great. Really nice. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I always do the cherries, so I get mm. some early on yep. from yep. the salads and stuff. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, I, I went out to the garden oh. uh, last weekend, and I had a, a you know one of those plastic file boxes, and I had brought some fertilizers there, and I was going to put it in the woodshed when we were done, but I said, oh, you know, it's it, it's waterproof, it's fine. You know? And uh, last week when I showed up, the box was open, and the, the bags of uh, the blood meal and the oh, everything the it were dragged out and opened up and. They were just spread out all over the place. <laughs> so the only thing I could think that would open that would be a raccoon. And yeah. so, well, the the manure smell or the blood smell or the bone meal smell was too much for the for the raccoon. So uh, <clears throat> I guess I learned my lesson. <laughs> Do not leave it out. Well, if you need some bone meal or anything, anything to augment your garden, yeah. our fine sponsors Absolutely. are the place to go. Yep. Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Our telephone number is 802-244-1777. Still time to call, and once again, here's Peter. 
Well, Joel, I, I'm just going over my notes. I did want to remind people to go ahead and water those perennials like the rhubarb, but I think I, I mentioned that with, uh, with Forbes when we were talking about that. Cause, um, cause I, uh, you know, it's easy to ignore them because you're sort of through with them. You're all done. You know, let the, let them, uh, let them grow and, and forget about them, but, um, it's good to go ahead and give them a watering and a fertilizing, even though, you know, and that would be things like your asparagus and your rhubarb, but also your blueberries and your raspberries, all those things. All of them are, are, uh, you know, growing the crown that they, all, all of their plants, all of their stems come up from that's bearing your, your berries. So you want to make sure you give them a, a good, um, a good watering and a fertilizer about this time of year, at least. Okay. And uh, sounds like Joel might have a... Um, I w- also wanted to just note a couple of things with garlic. Um, the In Canada, the garlic nematode is a, a big problem. And uh, even the certified... Uh, you know, bloating garlic nematode free, uh, is not necessarily entirely nematode free. All right. So in Plainfield, we have Sam. All right. Sam, what's going on? Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay. We love our lupins and yeah. we, we don't know why. They tend the the little bed of lupins tend to sort of sort of deteriorates over a few years. Uh-huh. Very yeah. vigorous, mm-hmm. and then it sort of fades. So yeah. that's my question. Yeah, I, I'm going to hang up so I can hear you better. Okay, fine. <laughs> so the question is about lupins. Well, lupins are uh, just like um, just about any plant, a uh, flowering plant, uh, tends to. Um, Put out their their uh, their cloves or what do you want to call them? The bulbs, the tubers. And uh, if you don't dig them up and divide them in the fall, then they tend to get a little bit smaller and smaller. Now, out in the field, you know, where they have lots of room to grow sideways, you know, they're always sort of doing this by nature, by you know, setting out the tubers and then growing up from there and then setting out tubers and growing up from there. So even though it looks like they're always hardy, what they're doing is they're sort of propagating themselves, you know. But if you're growing in in a bed, in a garden bed or in a, you know, a flower bed, uh, they don't get as much chance to spread out. And so what you might want to to, to, to try is to go ahead and in the fall when they're completely dormant, you know, Cut off the stems, dig them up, and separate the the little uh, tubers in there. And uh, you should have then, you know, another few years for them growing pretty pretty strong. And then, um, so it's uh, uh, I don't, yeah, I think that's I think that's the main thing because same thing happens with your daffodils or. Uh, even your your lilies or the val- uh, lilies uh, when they grow, you know, they tend to to get smaller and smaller as each year goes by because they're getting uh, too many roots, you know, too many plants all in the same spot. So you want to divide them up and and uh, 
um, air them out a little bit and set them out and then find a new spot for the leftovers or give them away or or just uh, don't put them in your compost pile because then you'll have uh, lupins everywhere. Uh, lupins also spread by seed. You know, there's that black seed at the very end of the harvest and you could use those to propagate more too, but um, I would just I would start out by dividing them up and, and thinning at the very least thinning out a few of them uh, in that bed, and I think you'd have you'll have a little better luck. And boy, aren't they beautiful! My wife just planted a whole bunch of lupins um, on a side hill that uh, one of the ones that got dug up when we were doing our foundation. So I'm looking forward to seeing those, and they they grow out in the in the field too. There. They're pretty nice. You know, I never saw more lupins in my life than when we went up to Prince Edward Island. Everywhere you went, everywhere there was a piece of, you know, field that wasn't potatoes was lupins. <laughs> so, and they're, you know, they were every color from the pinks to the whites to the blues to, to the light blues. They were really pretty, really pretty up there. Yeah, one of my wife's favorites for sure. And, uh, Joel, where are we right now? Well, oh, we got okay. about uh, yeah. eight, nine, ten minutes. So anybody interested in calling or yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we're all we're all set. I can't think of anything other than uh, in my neck of the woods near Lake Champlain. Uh, just keep watering. Plenty of water in the lake, but mm, <laughs> not mm. so much in that that thick. Uh, what's happening to my here? <laughs> well, um, things are things are happening. There are gremlins everywhere, um, but. Um, yeah, what's 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 happening is that uh, that uh, thick clay soil that I have. You yeah, know, yeah. It um, you, you need a lot of water to get through it. And yes. Even even amending it so many times with so much, you know, because I keep joking about how I kind of stepped back from gardening a little bit, but I did have gardens for twenty years, and I've amended that soil, yeah. and it's still a clay soil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems like I've moved in three dump truck loads. Of, <laughs> <laughs> of you know compost and yeah. fresh topsoil, and yet uh, it, it's it's still pretty rock hard at times. Yeah, that's uh, that's sort of the general truth of with uh, um, gardens in Vermont is that the there's not much actual really good soil other than maybe you know along the along the lake itself but well i had a little pond in there long before i lived there and long before the house mm-hmm. was built and they yeah. so oh that oh you're living where blue pond used to be <laughs> and i said oh that doesn't sound good we we do have a caller on the line oh, your first great. name in town oh it's just me hey no i'm gonna bother you today but it got quiet and i thought i'd just say hi <laughs> it's hi. a hot day and i was out in the greenhouse watering which on a day like today is well, you take a look at everybody and you say, okay, guys, only four more hours, only three more hours. It's hot. And, um, yes, I'd like to share with you a Robert Frost poem. Oh, super. for water. Yep. And then I can get out of the way. All right. It's a great poem. It makes beautiful pictures in your mind. All right. The well was dry beside the door, and so we went with pail and can across the fields behind the house to seek the brook if it still ran. Not loath to have excuse to go because the autumn eve was fair though chill, because the fields were ours, and by the brook our woods were there. We ran as if to meet the moon that slowly dawned behind the trees, the barren boughs without the leaves, without the birds, without the breeze. 
But once within the wood we paused, like gnomes that hit us from the moon, ready to run to hiding soon with laughter when she found us soon. <laughs> Each laid on other a staying hand to listen ere we dared to look. And in the hush we joined to make, we heard, we knew we heard the brook, a note as from a single place, a slender tinkling fall that made now drops that floated on the pool like pearls, and now a silver blade. <laughs> I like that poem. I like it. Yeah. It's nice. very, very sweet. Uh, and water's good stuff. Yes. It is. Yes. Uh, well, I was it. sort of stuck on the the well was dry, and I don't know if if you know it's it's not uh, an experience that many people have these days. Uh, but I have had that because when we first uh, moved in, we had a dug well. We we actually got a you know a backhoe in with a 13 foot uh, uh, arm, and his, the they went down to where he hit ledge, and when he pulled the ledge out, the water just absolutely like a fountain squirted right out. But the only problem with that is that uh, come. August, you know, uh, it would sort of dry out. <laughs> so you got a little more sand with your water than you wanted. Well, yeah. So. Well, I, I don't want to be in the way, but I will close with one more water thought. Mm-hmm. And I will close with it because Mr. Greg, who's been doing the music in the afternoon, yeah. played this song this past week. Maybe I've told you guys this story. No. But John McCutcheon wrote a song. Do you know John McCutcheon? I don't know. Mm. Already great, down. great. Does Joel know John McCutcheon? Yes, yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, called Water from Another Time. And I swear it's about my grandfather's farm, grandparents' farm. He talks about the well and the pump, mm. which we, we, me, mm. every time I'd finish hoeing corn or helping pick tomatoes to the pump, I'd go and just <laughs> over my head. Mm-hmm. And so... The closing words to this song, and then I will excuse myself out of your way. It don't take much, but you got to have some. The old ways help, the new ways come. You've got to leave a little extra for the next in line. They're going to need a little water from another time. Mm, mm. Enough. Mm. So have a wonderful week. Yeah. Stay cool. Yeah, thanks. And let's keep gardening. Okay. You betcha. That we will do, for sure. Thanks. And, uh, I was, and that reminded me of the, uh, what's his name? Tom, Tom, Tom Hartman, uh, his book called The Ancient, Ancient Sunshine. Uh, he was talking about oil because it came from such a long, long time ago, you know, <laughs> and it was all produced by the, the sunlight, uh, growing vegetables and dinosaurs and all that other good stuff. But anyway, uh, yes, water from another time. Interesting. Yes, the cycle of life. You makes you wonder how many times that water has been around. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as you draw I remember it up, as a kid, uh, my grandfather had uh, the same thing in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Had the uh, <clears throat> um, um, next to the house above the well was mm-hmm. an old Hank crank pump, and mm-hmm. you had to prime it a bit. Yep. and get it going, and yep. crank and crank, and finally it would come, and I would do exactly what Noah would do: put my head underneath it. <laughs> and boy, that water was cold. Cold, but it, what a relief! 80, at the... Eighty-five degree day. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, and at the same time, I'd go back. This is where my grandfather lived in very rural New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I'd go back 
to the Bronx where the kids would, uh, uh, well, actually, sometimes even the police would come and unscrew <laughs> the fire hydrant so we could all dance around in the street and, yeah. and get wet, and eventually yeah. they'd come and, and, yeah. and tighten it back up again. Yeah. Right. But uh, so we had two different, two different worlds, inner city, yep. you know, with the cold water from the fire hydrants and, uh, and the old uh, farm pump. Well, when I, I lived out in Pennsylvania, my dad's farm out there in uh, Valant, and uh, uh, a lot of, uh, of the Amish folks lived around us, and, uh, uh, you know, I, they would call on a regular basis when they needed a truck or a chainsaw or, or a ride, you know. And when you went to their house, that's what they had. Matter of fact, they had those pumps right in their kitchen. And almost every Amish house had a, a, um, a spring-fed uh, uh, water in the basement, and they would pump it up. But some of them had it outdoors as well. But they always had that pump by the sink in the smaller ones, not the yep. big ones like outside, but the smaller ones because they only needed to draw up from the basement. Whereas the big ones, they were drawing up, you know, 30, 40, maybe 100 feet, so... But I, I, I um, visit my good old high school buddy of well over 60 years now who mm-hmm. lives in Dover, Delaware. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we go out of the main city, it's uh, Amish country. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed uh, I noticed the farms, too, being very reminiscent of the, the way they were when I remember yep. when I was a kid. And the interesting thing is is that I get to talk to these people. And at first they would think I'm Amish, too, because <laughs> of my, my beard and, you know, and overalls and, and whatnot. I just, I don't know. What gave it away, the tie dye t shirt? <laughs> no, actually, you know, actually, most of the time I kind of, you know, I would, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the only thing that wasn't part of the Bronx etiquette. I mean, I'd wear yeah. a t shirt. Yeah. I didn't have, I did not have the pack of camels rolled up in the sleeve. Okay. So without that, because I don't smoke. So without that, they would think, oh, jeans and a t shirt. This is an Amish guy. And, um, but at any rate, I, uh, I love the farms and I love, I love going into the, uh, uh, they had these big Amish food places and everything. Oh the, yeah, the young the young kids no piercings or anything like yeah. that. I'm yep. not saying yeah. like the good old days, but yeah. I, I didn't yeah. notice that. <laughs> that. Oh yeah. yeah, you know that they were they were pretty much in the old school culture most of it. And the kids grew up, and some of them some of them stayed, some of them some moved of them, on and yeah. ad- adopted the. Uh, the changing, uh, you know, cultural evolution, blah, blah, blah. But what I really liked is that all the food reminded me of what the way my grandparents did. Absolutely. No lecithin, no preservatives and everything. Yeah, yeah. You bake something, you cook something. It's, 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 uh, you know, just the basic way. And, uh, I, t- I tell you, I kind of, I kind of miss that these days. Oh, you know? yeah. Well, I, when I, when I did work with the, the Amish, sometimes I would go on and work on a job with them. Um, they would uh, bring their lunch, and, and almost every time they, they would bring a quart of canned peaches. In a th- oh, my gosh, it was so good. Unbelievable. Pennsylvania peaches, you know. <laughs> well, we could get to the point later on in the in the garden show, and you might want to do a little prelude on uh, canning. <laughs> yeah, know? that's right. Yeah, my, my, my well, relatives, my grandparents, mm-hmm, my aunt and uncle, they mm-hmm. were all great at doing that. I, <laughs> I well, mean, did make some pickles once or twice, but I, I never got into it that deeply. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. Easy to do, yeah. making pickles and mm-hmm. sauerkraut mm-hmm. and all those. It's really easy mm-hmm. to do. But um, Yeah, we will do the, the preservation program because uh, I always enjoy it because, uh, well, uh, 
you know, my my point of view is you need all five different varieties, you know, not just the canning or the freezing, but also drying and fermenting and cold starch. You need all of them, mm-hmm. you know, and to to really make it through a year, you know, because a lot of stuff keeps very, very well cold stored, you know, and that, of course, is easy and cheap and uh, as long as you get your techniques right. And then canning is great for so many things, certainly for tomatoes, but dried tomatoes, we, we do a lot That's of dried tomatoes. That's how I do tomatoes. that. I dry things. Yeah, so. yeah. And, of course, your herbs and your teas, I always dry those. And uh, and the garlic, uh, you know, a combination of, of drying it and just storing it like with the onions and stuff. But, yeah, we'll get into that one uh, in another show. I guess we're just about out of I time. Think we, I think we are, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you better turn me off. I'm the Energizer Bunny. I'll just keep talking for another hour or two. But well, same time, same station. You know, God willing, all that. Joel, we'll see you in the garden. Sounds good. Bye now. Here we go. Whoop! How come I'm not hearing anything? Oh, well, you want me to sing? No, no. Here we go. There we go. Gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Oh, sing it. We tried hard though. Our program today and every week brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington, where one call does it all. Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont grown plants since 1972. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop, flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, house plants, potting supplies, and more in Wastefield. By Sticks and Stuff and Swat and Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PR Lumber, Route 15 in Woolcott, family milled lumber for all your projects. Check out PR Lumber on Facebook as well. By Guy's Farm and Yard, with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They bring you the In the Garden podcast. Dandelion Acres, online at dandelionacres.com. Do join us next Saturday at 1230 during the noon hour for In the Garden here on WDEV. Someone blessed these seeds I sow. Someone warmed them from below. Till the rain comes tumbling down. Till the rain comes tumbling down. Inch by 